0: Hello and welcome back in. This is High Notes Nashville Sports. I'm Garrett Pabry, host, joined once again by the great, the legend, Connor Owens. It's been a while since we have been on the air. We've taken a long break since the March Madness tournament. March Madness was crazy. Uh, Connor and I will give you a little bit of a breakdown here, but a lot to talk about. The Nashville Predators have come out of nowhere. Minor of baseball still continues their dominance and a whole lot more here on High Notes Nashville Sports. Connor Owens, first of all, how's it going, man?
1: Doing pretty good. How are you doing, Garrett? Oh, doing good,
0: doing good. Back in Nashville, actually, Uh, back home for a week or two. Just spent some time here back in the hometown and, you know, enjoying some nice sports here, so it's been overall good. And, Connor, let's go on before we get into Nashville sports. March Madness, you and I had our Selection Sunday show, talked all about it. Now that it's over, Baylor, the national champions, beat Gonzaga 86-70. What was the most exciting part of this year's March Madness, in your opinion? <sighs>
1: the hype behind sister Jean and Loyola Chicago, another Mm -hmm. deep run, not as deep as they had a couple of years ago, uh, but still some pretty good upsets. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Who was it? Arkansas that eliminated them. Yeah, it was uh, actually, no, it was uh, Oregon state, the Beavers. It was Oregon state. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon state dominated once again. They did. Yes.
0: Um, Actually knocking out the Tennessee volunteers, one of our hometown, our home state teams. Yeah. I was happy
1: to see that. Um, (laughs) And also the, the surprising team, I think, from this tournament is UCLA. Yep, agreed. Going from the first four to the final four, nobody expected that. No, nope. and Johnny
0: Johnny Juzang, the Kentucky transfer, was absolutely fantastic on the stretch. Really was the yeah. reason that UCLA was, you know, in all those games. And I mean, almost ultimately defeated Gonzaga. I felt like they should have at the yeah.
1: end. But I was just know. about to say something about that. They showed that Gonzaga was not that good. Yep, agreed. And then. Baylor again beating them in the national championship. Jalen Suggs, that buzzer beater, probably in my opinion, probably one of the best buzzer beaters in March Madness history. Agreed. Um, But still, UCLA showed how weak the West West Coast Conference is and how weak of a region Gonzaga was in. Um, and then, like I mentioned, Baylor put the nail in the coffin on Gonzaga. Yeah, uh, happy to see that. Um, Scott Drew has been the head coach at Baylor for 18 years, and he promised a national championship when he got there, and he finally got it. Yeah, it was amazing to watch.
0: I mean, we looked at, you know, Baylor, probably one of the best shooting teams in the tournament, probably the best shooting team in the tournament, Davion Mitchell, going to be something special, but a great March Madness tournament. Let's go ahead and move on, though. And, Connor, a lot, something that you and I have watched a whole lot religiously this whole year has been the National Predators, and we have been on this podcast. Bashing them, whether it's get rid of Hines, get rid of Poil, where you start trading players. All of a sudden, this Nashville team has won 11 of the last 13 games and they're finding some consistency, even with the injury tally piling up. You and I were looking at it today. Dante Fabro, now out four to six weeks. Philip Forsberg on the IR. Ellie Tolvin, he's right now injured. Nashville continues to pile up the injuries, but they're getting the job done. So, I guess my first question for you is. What has changed in these past couple of weeks that has really lit a fire under Nashville? And, again, now they've won 11 out of 13. What's going right for them right now?
1: I think that their speed has picked up an incredible amount. Like, yep. like you said, we've every single time we've been doing this podcast, we've been absolutely ripping them. Um, <laughs> and, honestly – who knows? They might have heard the podcast. And they might, yep. hey, Garrett and Connor, let's <laughs> get our act together. And yeah, then, fix it. And then, like, so, like I was at the game March 30th for my birthday against yep. the Dallas Stars. Happy late, and, happy late birthday. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I actually got a puck from Roman Yossi, which was pretty cool. Um, I think that game was probably that – was, that was kind of – that was a slow game, in my opinion. Um, I mean, great first period, second period. Uh, It was a little bit slow, and then third period we picked it up, ended up winning in overtime, um, which was crazy because Dallas has not been that good this year. Mm. Um, And then we go ahead and we sweep uh, Detroit the past two days. Um, And then, like you said, the the injury bug just hit us, and it hit us at the wrong time because this weekend we're hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning, and probably not the best team you want to bring in when – a. A lot of your guys are injured, but again, we have rookies. This is what I do not get the past couple of years. We have been mainly a veteran team. Mm -hmm. This year, we have all our veterans back, they get hurt, and then the rookies come in and they absolutely dominate. Yeah,
0: what do you think? Yeah, what do you think's been going on with the rookies? Yeah, that's the argument though with Hines this whole time. And I mean, Ellie Tolvin, a player in specific, you and I have talked about a little bit. He was a guy that a lot of people felt never really had the chance, right? I mean, even Hines, Laviolette never gave him the chance to come in and show his potential. He got, you know, he kind of got a little bit of a picture of what he was going to be. All of a sudden, you give this guy a full chance on the ice, and look what he does. Ellie Tolman has been absolutely fantastic this year. He has been one of my favorite players to watch, not just on this team but in the entire league. I think he's a guy you got to structure your team around to sign him to a long-term deal because he's proven that he's more than we thought. And as for the other rookies, I mean, you got guys, David Ference made his first appearance against the Red Wings last night and a seven to one victory guys or a couple months ago guys. I've not heard of, like I'm, I'm going to be honest. I have not heard of a lot of these guys. They come in and they're playing fantastic. Of course, Victor Arvidsson too. another kind of, you know, medium kind of, he's not a veteran. I'd say middle-aged player had a hat trick the other night. He stepped his game up. It seems like for some reason with these rookies, they're just gelling. They're all gelling at the right time, whereas the beginning of the season, it seemed like almost this you know great on-paper roster that couldn't put together. And now with a couple of key guys out, they're at the top of the game.
1: Do you think this light under their butts has come from probably John Hines changing the way he coaches a little bit, or do you think it has anything to do with the upcoming trade deadline yeah. And then them thinking, Hey, if I don't play well, I'll be gone. And this, this team's going to be rebuilding from scratch. What do you think has been going on there?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things, the big thing, and I think you and I both know this is the pressure. I think there's been a lot of pressure on this organization, this team, the coaching staff to really get going. Um, You talk about the trade deadline. Of course, you know, Poyle came out and said, what was it? I think Pecorine, Roman Yossi and Ryan else are the only three players that we're going to protect. Well, that's changed since. There's a couple more guys you look at and go, okay, we got to keep them longer term. But I actually like your point about Hines' coaching style. We've really and, – and this is not, like I wouldn't say defending him, but we, we've never seen Hines really get to put his system in. He's had, you know, midway through the season to get it put in. No training camp. He's got to put it in again. It almost seems like in his first real true season, all of a sudden he's getting that system going, and look what's happening. They're playing better. Hines is very much a guy who likes to play fast. You said it perfectly. LaViolette didn't. LaViolette was a more defensive coach. You get the lead, you defend the lead. Hines is not that way. Hines wants to keep pushing, score as much as you can. And we've seen that. I mean, they put up seven goals against Detroit, an outstanding performance. So to your point, I think it is pressure, but also his coaching style. I, I think the coaching is starting to settle in with the players, and they're figuring it out. And they're kind of adjusting to that system the young players like it. The veteran players like it. It's a different feel in the city and for the team
1: as a whole right now. It really is. Do Do you think? Because again, we've been ta- we've been bashing John Hines. Yeah. Pretty bro. much this entire podcast about uh, he might be on his way out. We might keep him another year. Might be poil. because of the how the Preds have played lately. Do you yeah. think John Hines' job is safe? He. He saved himself this season.
0: Uh, I, he has saved himself, at least for this season, because in my opinion, it's more impressive that he's kind of brought this team back from being bottom two in the league to now, you know, in a playoff spot, than it is to start the season off hot and then just continue to digress. They've gotten better as the season's gotten going. I mean, they have gotten better and better and better, and now they're competing with teams like Tampa Bay and Florida. I mean, they're in a playoff spot. We are. I mean, fourth in the playoffs, four points ahead of Chicago. You and I, beginning of the season, we're watching this team get beat 6-1, 5 against Tampa Bay in Florida. I mean, it was ugly, and you didn't want to watch it. Now they're competing. They're splitting series. They're winning both. They're doing more, and I think that's what's been impressive for me. So I think Hines has saved himself for at least this year. I think next year it's, you know, listen, pro sports now. They expect you to be good right away. Let's be honest. We have seen in the NFL, especially, coaches come in their first year, they don't perform, and they're gone. At pro sports is you better perform well now, or you won't survive. So Heinz has saved himself this year, but you know, going forward, how does this kind of you know
1: fluctuate in the next year? I don't know. We'll see. I think if he keeps his job this year, you might as well keep him next year because I, agree, I, I not- agree with that. I do not want to go through another Peter Laviolette. No. Nope. I don't wanna all right. You start out strong, then you go on like a four or five game losing streak. You come home, you fire your coach, bring somebody in two days later, and yep. then play like crap the rest of the season. Because yep. that's not gonna look good on David Ploy. No. It's not at all. I, I think you know, that whole that's the one part I'll say when you and I talked is,
0: you know, defending John Hines is he got thrown into a dumpster fire. I mean the team was unorganized. The organization was unorganized. You just get rid of a coach who a lot of fans really liked and respected. And John Hines was not necessarily a guy the fans loved. So he came in, really had to win the fan base over. He hasn't done that yet. He's just now starting to do that. So kudos to him. But I agree with you. I, I think these – I have never been a fan of midseason firings and midseason hirings. I, I think it messes with not only – the organization, but the players and the fans. I mean, it, it really sets them the wrong way, which is exactly what that Heinz hire did midseason last year. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's but again, you look at this team, I mean I'm looking at these players now, and one guy I want to talk about in specific is UC Saros has absolutely turned his game around. He has been fantastic as of recently. This is a guy that was giving up four goals a game and you know an eight, five, zero save percentage. He's now 13 and seven. Two shutouts, a 2.19 goals against and a 930 save percentage. He has been fantastic as of recently. Peccarina, for a while there, as we know, was the feature goaltender. I mean, they took over. He was the guy, even though he's 38 years old. Saros has come on. So that's my next question for you, I guess. Is the talk was UC Saros isn't a franchise goaltender, right? He's not a full-time starter. We got to get rid of him. There's a long list of players you and I could debate and talk about should they get rid of, should they keep. But Soros is one I'm very intrigued. With the expansion draft coming up, you can only protect one goalie. What direction does Nashville go in? Because they had talked about keeping Rene. Now that Soros is playing better, do you reevaluate your decision?
1: I don't think you have to because you, you said Rene's 38. I don't think he's done yet. No. And I know he wants to retire a Pred. He has said that time and time again. But maybe a change of scenery for Rene is what he needs. Yep. And so you, if I'm David Poyle, you protect Soros, and then you send Rene to the expansion draft, likely sending him to Seattle, yep. which I think Seattle getting a veteran goaltender like Pekka Rene would make them – scary just with reading well and, and it reminds
0: right. me i mean you and i remember when vegas drafted right mark Andre flurry now not quite as old as pecker but still a old veteran goaltender and look what he did and his first season led him to the stanley cup final so i agree with you
1: that's a good point point. and um now uh, i got a question another question for you yep we talked about goaltenders now let's talk about i hate to use the term like normal players but yep um Looking at the roster that we have now yeah. and talking about the expansion draft. If you I'm gonna put the general manager hat on you. Yep. Yeah. If you had to protect three players right now and get rid and send three players to the expansion draft, who are they? So okay. So if I got if I have three players, I've had my three players sit for a while now.
0: Yeah. I, in my opinion, first and foremost, Roman Yossi. I, I don't think it's close. I think he is. He's the, the team captain. Uh, he is the mesh of this team. He's a great player, more than anything else. Great playmaker. He does everything on the eyes. So, Roman Yossi, one. Philip Forsberg, two. I think Forsberg is our leading goal scorer, despite not playing in half the team's games this year. He People – I don't think people realize – and I hate it because, look, I think a lot of the Forsberg, like, not getting much attention, has to do with him playing in Nashville, which I hate for him because – I'm not saying it's not a good hockey city. It's a great hockey city. But this year, kind of the average play style of us as a team has really kept him kind of hidden out of the spotlight. Philip Forsberg is a fantastic player. He is a top three forward on almost any roster in the entire NHL. So Forsberg, I think you have to keep. And my third guy, who I am crazy high on, and I've mentioned, is Ellie Tolbinen. I I think Tolman is – 21 22 years old he has all of the upside his ceiling is way higher than his floor is his floor he has so much potential to be a top 3 top 4 kind of guy on any team i think nashville has a real opportunity to groom this guy into being something really special so those are kind of the three i have the three i'm giving away and i this is yeah, this is a tougher one there's a lot of guys who you can look at who you keep give away first one would be ryan johansson Uh, i think johansson has been uh, you know people go back and forth on him i brought him in as a 1st line center in in a trade with columbus for seth jones um didn't love the trade when it happened don't love it now of course but i think ryan johansson has been not the goal scorer we've thought he would be here in nashville he's been disappointing in that kind of you know category so he's the first one number two i'm gonna pull from the defender pile and i'm going to that's a tough one see I'm going to go this might be an unpopular opinion but I'm going to go Ryan Ellis I, I like Matthias Ekholm as of recently I think Matthias Ekholm has provided a little more I guess goal scoring ability he came off of injury scored two goals in a game about a month ago Matthias Ekholm is a physical defender he's fast on his feet and he has a really good shot he's got a really good release I like Matthias Ekholm all right, so yeah, it his, I see his home. So I think Ryan Ellis is a guy I'm willing to give up. And then third, maybe another unpopular one, Matt Duchesne. I, I am not sold on him. He, We signed him to one of the worst contracts in the history of the NHL. We paid him way too much. He is struggling to get any points in the board. This is a 30-40 goal score in Ottawa when he's playing over there. Now he comes to Nashville. And you said it perfectly in one of our episodes. Nashville is where scores come to die. And for some reason, Matt Duchesne has fallen off the face of the planet. So he's a guy I could see Poyle moving. Those are kind of my three and three.
1: What do you think? I kind of agree with your keeps. Um, Not so much um, your um, get rid of, especially Matt Duchesne. I think Matt <laughs> Duchene. He the problem with Duchenne is he cannot stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, look, you look at him now. He's like what out in another two or three weeks. Yeah. He, he's been out like past five, four or five weeks. If he can stay healthy, I think he can dominate like he did. Where was it? Ottawa?
0: Ottawa, Colorado, and both those places he was dominant. Yeah. Um
1: I think he can – if he stays healthy, he can be the player that we brought him in to be. Um, I agree with Tolvanen. Um, the ceiling is the roof for him. Um, yep. So, uh, another guy I would keep – of course, I, I'm going to agree with Yossi. I mean, he's our captain. Yeah, you I mean, can't not – it's tough not to. But it's, it's kind of – our captain situation has been so weird. Yeah. Because we have Mike Fisher
0: name mm-hmm. him
1: captain. Yeah. He retires. We name James Neal captain. Yeah. He gets drafted by Vegas. Yeah. Mike Fisher unretires. He becomes captain. He retires again. We get Yossi. So our captain situation is extremely weird. But I think if you're going to keep anybody, it's got to be Roman Yossi. Yeah, he's, a he's a fan favorite. He's dominant on the ice. He's an ex- excellent goal scorer. Excellent defender. So it's got to be Tolvanen, Yossi, and if I'm going to keep a third one, I would. I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is going to be an unpopular opinion or not. I'm going to say Rocco Grimaldi.
0: I like that though. I like
1: Rocco. Rocco because look Rocco what he Grimaldi. did. Look what he did against Detroit. What was it like? Yep. Five goals. Yep. Yeah, like four or five goals. It's crazy. And he's still fairly young. So he brings. I'm, he's he is
0: okay. I, and this is a really unpopular opinion. I think he is a better Victor Arbison I, I think Arbison yeah. is a good player with a limited offensive capacity. I think Rocco Grimaldi brings more to the table. He's scrappy, right? He's fast. He is willing to get his head in on one of the dirty plays. He's a great goal scorer. The first mm-hmm. time Rocco Grimaldi really ever poked his head out and became noticed was, I think it was a couple of years ago, he had that spin and ram a goal against the Washington Capitals. That was like his big moment into the NHL. Everybody noticed him. Wow, who's this guy? Rocco Grimaldi. All of a sudden, he's really settled in as a second, third line player. It's been fantastic. So I actually love that pick. I love that keep. I really do.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be Tolman and Yossi and Grimaldi for keeps. I'm honestly, I'm not – I don't even know if you would wait until the expansion draft to get rid of this guy. I think he could bring in some good assets at the trade deadline. Yep. He was one of your keeps, Philip Forsberg. Yeah, I, I think, get it. I mean, he's a – don't get me wrong. He is a fantastic player. But that's the thing. He's he he's in the same boat, in my opinion, as Rene. I think yep. a change of scenery will do his career more like, – he'll yeah, have no, a better career. He'll have a better career if he goes somewhere else. Well, and I like what you said about what he can bring in.
0: I think this is the toughest part about Philip Forsberg. If I'm a GM sitting here, right, you could be you—you like, you could argue that Philip Forsberg alone could bring in two good goal scorers, could bring in two good players. I, Maybe I even a couple that, of picks. That's what I'm saying. I would argue that he could bring in a significant amount of production – that would help fill in some of those holes in that offense. So I agree. I, I He is so off and on because it's like, do you want to keep him because he's your team's leading goal scorer? You know what he brings to the table, but he's another guy that has dealt with a fairly good amount of injuries in his career. He has not been a guy that has stayed consistently healthy. So when he's when he's healthy, he's good, but he's not
1: always healthy. So what do you do with that? And before I, before I move on to my other two mm. get rid of, I'm going to add something to your um, opinion on Dushin being yep. someone you get rid of. In my opinion, I think we have no choice but to keep him. The only, re- the only, the only reason why I say that is what you said yep. is massive contract. Yep. Who is going to take on that massive contract?
0: It, it's a terrible contract. It's awful. But what see, like this seven is seven
1: year. How many million?
0: Oh, it's just it's a ridiculous amount. But to your point, Connor, this is where I think I'll look it up right now, but this is to your point where I think that contract is so absurd. And it's such it's such a poorly designed contract. You could potentially not even protect Duchesne. Okay, he's getting paid with Nashville right now a seven-year $56 million contract. So eight million a year. million guaranteed. So it comes out to be about $8 million a year. But to your point, you could almost not protect Duchesne, right? Use your protection on another valuable asset, and you would almost hope that no one, that Seattle doesn't pick that contract up. And if there's a guy like Rene on the table, maybe they go for a veteran goaltender, right? So you save that protection pick. It just, it comes down to what you know, Seattle wants and what Nashville wants, you know, are you willing to keep that money?
1: What does – this is an honest question for me. What yeah. is the cap space like for an expansion team? What what what, what does it start at? <sighs> That's a great question. I, I think Vegas is
0: – I don't even know what their starting caps. I, it's, I know it's similar to the rest of the league, but I think it might be a little – I want to say it's a little higher, maybe, but just because you're having to deal with all these contracts that other teams are throwing out at you, you know, I mean, it's look, look, first of all, I'm going to say this too. I, I hate the expansion draft. I I hate that a team can come in and pick players that have been groomed in the NHL for years now. I, I don't like it. I get it. I get it. It's only fair to provide that team with assets that can win them games, but I don't like it. And so, the expansion has always been something. And, I mean, we're seeing it now with Nashville, too. There's a lot of decisions need to be made. There are a lot of players in Nashville that could be fantastic assets for the Seattle team.
1: It, and my message for Seattle is I do not th- – if you want Matt Dushin, I do not think that is a risk you should take. Agreed. Absolutely not. I mean, Agreed. again, like I mentioned, if he stays healthy, he can be a great player. But ever since he's gotten to Nashville, he just ha- – there's been times – there's been a few times where he's shown that he can be a good player, but he just yep. cannot stay healthy. And that's the problem. You have to be able to stay, you know, in the NHL
0: in the league like that where it's an 82-game season. You've got to be able to stay consistently healthy, be able to play at a high level. And I mean, that's where guys like Connor McDavid excel, right? Not mm-hmm. only is he a great playmaker, he stays healthy. Him and Drysdale, that combo's fantastic. Those guys stay healthy. They play in almost every game. It's awesome. We're seeing how Nashville is just – I have never seen a team have more injuries in one period of time than Nashville right now. I mean, every week I'm tuning into a game, and they have a rookie skating the ice by himself for the first time. I mean, every game. It's like there is somebody new we're calling up. And it's it's amazing we're still winning games because our farm system is one of the worst in the entire league. I mean, we're bottom five in terms of our AHL roster. So – we're still winning games even with a really subpar
1: AHL team. It, it, that, that's what I was about to ask. How can we have a terrible AHL team and then we yeah. get rookies coming up here and they dominate? See, that's what I, don't, I you wonder if it's – you know there's a lot of, a lot of factors. It, it could
0: be what you said. It could be a change of scenery. They, it's something new. They, a lot of it too, though, I think, is motivation. When you get called up from the AHL, you are giving it everything you got to prove why you should be an NHL player, right? You don't want to stay in the AHL your whole career. You don't, nobody does. So these guys come up and they're playing their hearts out and they're proving why they should be on an NHL roster. And that's why a lot of them, I think going into next year are going to be full-time NHL players. So I think a lot of that's to do with motivation because they know AHL players have a disadvantage. If they come up, play one bad game, they go back down. Whereas an NHL player, you know, a good, solid NHL player. They have three bad games. It's fine. They'll shake it off. It's very a very different dynamic. And I think being able to come up and show the opportunity has really been the reason these rookies have excelled this year.
1: Yeah, and um, I still got to mention my other two. Get rid of. Us. Yeah, that's right. Make it. I'm gonna make it pretty quickly. So you and I can yeah. move on. Yeah. But um, so I had Philip Forsberg, and for me, I think these guys could be expansion draft picks. Yep. Or again, trade deadline, we can bring in picks, assets, whatever. Yep. Philip Forsberg. I'm going to put in Dante Fabro. I agree with that. Victor Arvidsson. Yep, I, think, I agree. I agree. I, I think here's the thing if we offer Philip Forsberg in a trade, we can get some good assets back. Yep. 100%. But if, but if we put in a trade with Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson, there's no telling who we could get. This, the sky's the limit. I mean, that's a
0: pair that not only are they great players, but we've seen it firsthand. Those two play really well together. They are mm, great yeah. line mates. Like, they have a chemistry. I don't think – okay, if Victor Arbitson did not play on the same line as Philip Forsberg, Arvidsson would not be scoring more than 15 goals a year. Arvidsson, again, his offensive capacity – is very, very limited. Forsberg's playmaking ability and ability to get the puck over to him is the reason Arvidsson is scoring 15, 20 goals a season. That's the only reason. And those two together are a great pair.
1: They are. What, what do you think we could get if we offered a trade with all three of them, Arvidsson, <laughs> Forsberg, and Fabro? That
0: right there is like you could get a, you could get a superstar. I mean, you, you'd – now <sighs> – would you could we want get to?
1: could we get a connor mcdavid with that
0: i think mc see i think that's where it's tough there is a select few guys in the league where it's like they're almost untouchables i think mcdavid's untouchable i think is the same way but one of my points is like do you really want three players for one superstar or maybe you trade three of our guys and get Four or five really good players in return who you know you're not getting that one 40 goal score, but you're getting guys who can consistently score at a decent level. I because Nashville look, it's no secret their roster, despite them you know getting high right now, their roster has holes in it. Uh, the offense has holes they need to plug still. And I think by giving away three talented players and getting one in return. I don't think it's a good move personally. I, I think you need to fill your roster with more talented assets, which they could easily do. You sent me an article a, a few weeks back about them looking to trade. I think it was Forsberg and Eckholm for like Shane Gossesphere and, and a couple of the guys from the Flyers who I I loved it. I mean, it, it was a potential trade option where you're sending two of our guys who, as you mentioned, maybe a Forsberg and a Fabro or an Eckholm. For three or four really good players, we're going to try much. We sure have that pulled up.
1: Yeah, I got it right here. All right, awesome. What is it again? It said um, – "No, there's no telling where the, where this has gone since then. But it said uh, Flyers are in talks with Pryor that would send Ekholm and Arvidsson to Philadelphia for – what? how do you pronounce his last name? Yeah, Shane Gossespierre. Gustafson and draft picks.
0: So I'm looking at, I want to look at Shane Gossespierre, his stat. He he is a young player from, you know, Philadelphia. He's a defenseman who has been, I would say he's fallen off a little bit since his first couple seasons. He's 27 years old. He's got 12 points this year, which is not fantastic. He's got 211 his whole career. He's a guy though, that I, I think is a step up from, let's say you give away I an mean, Ellis, as much as I love that Holm and Ellis, I think he's a step up, but that's to my point. Arvidsson and Ekholm, that's not even your best player in fourth where given up. That is two guys who are good but not great, and you're getting a really good bunch in return. So this trade deadline is going to be interesting because I think Nashville, I'm not sure where it's going to be. I'm not sure how it's going to come about, but I feel like there's going to be a big move made somewhere, and I don't know who it's going to be, which player it's going to be, and it may be a couple of days before or the day of, there's
1: gonna be a big move made. So so you're saying this the Preds will not be silent, come trade deadline.
0: No, I, I I think they're gonna make moves. And if I'm poil, this is and this is the hard part about, about owning a team and being a general manager. These little stretches of success can blind a fan or a manager and make them seem like there's no more issues. They're heading in the right direction. We don't need to sign anybody. Our roster's great. Well, this is the same roster that last year was a first-round exit to Arizona. This is the same roster that this year started the season bottom four in the league. And, okay, they've started out. You know, They've been playing better as of recently. But there are places you've got to fill. And I don't think taking this recent success is a fair assumption to think that our roster's set.
1: I want to make this real quick note, then we can move on to our next topic. The Preds okay. just announced this. They've activated Ryan Ellis from injured reserve, and he will be playing tonight as a Okay, there you
0: go. So this is another thing, too, and you can talk about
1: the rookies have been dominating,
0: right? And the chemistry has been there with these rookies. Now you're going to start fitting some of these veteran pieces back in. What c- Can you imagine, right, if we get back to full health and start going downhill again? Like – that that's I, think I think I was
1: I was gonna ask you that I was gonna yep. ask you this question, but you just mentioned that yep. if that yep. happens, that is what costs Hines his job.
0: It is, and I think that's a fair point. And to my point again, that's why I think you can't get complacent with this roster. I think you got to move on. I think you got to make a move. I, I think Poyle is a smart general manager. I think he knows what he's doing. He is known for making big moves here and there over the past few years. Of course, Shea Weber was a huge one. Seth Jones is a big one. I'm not sure if we'll see a huge one this year, but I feel like we'll see some activity. Yeah. But so, yeah, that's going to be it. Then we're going to talk about that's the end of the National Predators segment. The Predators tonight take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. A very good read of how good this team is playing right now. Going to be a great competition. And tomorrow night, in action at seven o'clock at home against the Dallas Stars. Going to move on. This is where Connor Owens really starts to feel it. Vanderbilt baseball, the Commodores, once again. First in the country, absolutely fantastic this season. I think they're sitting currently at 29 and four, if I'm not mistaken, on a one game win streak, taking on the Georgia Bulldogs right now. Currently, Connor, actually, no, they're 25 and five, nine and three in the conference. What have you seen so far? Of course, this Vanderbilt team every year, it seems like they don't skip a beat. Vanderbilt baseball, they don't rebuild, they reload. And it is that way again this year. Vanderbilt has been absolutely dominant,
1: first in the country. What have you seen from this Commodores team so far this year? Um, Well, before I answer that question, we just lost our Georgia series. We lost nine to one to Georgia today. Okay. Um, So they won two out of three. And that was actually the first first SEC series that we have lost since May 25th of 2019. That's incredible. And the team that beat us in May of 2019 was Georgia. So – They've had our number for the past few years. Um, but to answer your question, what have I seen? What I have seen is absolute domination yep. by Jack Leiter. If you, don't, if you don't know who Jack Leiter is, he is the son of former MLB star Al Leiter. Yep. And I, I got his numbers right here. This was as of April 9th. He's 7-0. He's 8-0 yep. now because he won yesterday. But, again, as of April 9th, 8-0. A 0.43 ERA, 42 innings pitched, 16 walks, 71 strikeouts, four runs, two earned, 10 hits, and one no-hitter. I mean, it's it's fantastic.
0: And, I, you know, I'm not – I'll be the first one to admit, I don't watch baseball as much as you do. I, you're a huge baseball fan, and you can talk baseball all day, any day. But I have watched this guy play. I actually watched him on TV against Missouri when I was there. and He's something special, and and there are people are talking about him being a generational talent, which I couldn't agree more with. I mean, there was a period, and you come if I'm wrong, where I think it was, what, 20-something innings without a hit in a row? I mean, just a fourth. dominant. Like, just absolutely dominance from him.
1: His first SEC start was at home against South Carolina. Mm. He throws a no-hitter. It's unbelievable. First SEC start. Then he goes in the next week. I'm pretty sure it was Missouri the next week. Yep. He had a no-hitter going into the eighth inning. Yep. We pull him. His reliever has a no-hitter going into the ninth. We're one out away from a combined no-hitter. We pull Jack's reliever, and the guy that comes in for Jack's reliever allows three hits, gives up the no-hitter. Then Jack plays again the following week against LSU. I think he went four and a half innings, four and a third's innings without a hit. Then the hit uh, hitless streak ends. Um, but I mean, good grief. This dude, like you said, generational talent in. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think Jack Leiter has what it takes that when he gets drafted, he doesn't even go to the minor leagues. I can see oh, him going straight to the major
0: leagues. I agree. And that is so rare too. It is so rare to see a guy come straight out of college. Le- 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 Leiter's a sophomore, isn't he? Yes. I mean, this guy's going to – cut. yeah, he – he, I could 100% see him coming out and being an, F, an MLB star right out of college. He doesn't need time to groom. He's got every tool, every asset he needs. And not to mention, look, he's not only dominating. He's dominating at the highest level of collegiate baseball playing yeah. in the SEC for Vanderbilt. It's not easy to play baseball at Vanderbilt. It's not. I, I know that, and I know you know that. Vanderbilt baseball is like the prime time. It's like the Alabama baseball, Alabama football. He has done something that you know not a lot of people can say they've done. So I agree. I think this guy moves on and
1: becomes MLB player without going to the minors right away. And here's here's the crazy thing. It's Vanderbilt, like you said, is one of the most dominant programs, and all of college football – or college yep. baseball, excuse me. Definitely not football as of right now. Yep. Um, But – and it also has to do with how well Coach Corbin does it recruiting. Yep. Because I looked at a MLB mock draft a couple of weeks ago. Picks one through three all have Vanderbilt connections. It's incredible. As of now, the number one overall pick is a high school senior committed to Vanderbilt. The number two overall pick as of right now is Kamar Rocker. Now, Kamar – here's the thing with Kamar Rocker. Mm-hmm. He has been off his rocker a little bit. Yep. No nope pun <laughs> intended that Last year, he was dominant. He was our ace. Yep. Untouchable. 2019 – oh, actually, let me say 2019 because last year we had a shortened season and only played like a month. 2019, Super Regional against Duke. Kamar Rocker throws a no-hitter. That sends us that sends us to a game three, which ends up sending us to Omaha, yep. which eventually leads to a national championship. Yep. Kamar Rocker's not our ace anymore. Mm. It, it's Jack Leiter. And I can see because of how Jack has played this year, he will be the number one overall pick. There's no, yeah, yeah. no There's doubt in my mind no. he's gonna be the number no. one pick. I can honestly see. It's going to be Jack one, probably that high school senior two, Kamar going three. Yeah. A lot of people were saying maybe Kamar could go one, but if he – if Kamar keep uh, again, you know how much I've been dedicated and been around Vanderbilt baseball. Of course. Don't get me wrong. I love Kamar Rocker. Yeah. Amazing kid. But he just hasn't brought his stuff this year. Yeah. And if he keeps this up throughout the year, he could fall out of the top five. Who knows? Yeah. But – Jack is just absolutely dominant.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned the Kamar Rocker. and it, It's an interesting point because with these drafts, uh, we have seen over the years, Connor, not just in baseball, but all sports. Let's take, for example, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow coming into his Heisman campaign season was a projected sixth-round overall pick. I mean, he was not going to go early by any means. He plays fantastic, wins the Heisman, first overall pick. It can be that way vice versa, though. You can start really high. Have an eh season and fall. And do you think part of that for him is the success of lighter and kind of being thrown on the backburn a little bit? Do you think kind of motivation and kind of the attitude as a part of that?
1: I don't I I don't think it has anything to do with lighter mm. because I mean you go into a Friday-Saturday series, Friday-Saturday-Sunday series, and the first two pitchers you have to face are Kumar Rocker and Jack Lyder. I yep. wouldn't want that. No, no, no one does. I think it's the pressure coming off of the 2019 season. Yep. You throw a no-hitter. You win a national championship. There's talk all across the country that you will be the number one overall pick. Yep. I think that's starting to get to him, and it's kind of getting – and Coach Corbin has said this time and time again. Kamar Rocker doesn't let anything get to him. He's one of the strongest competitors he ever, he's ever had. I think the fact that everybody's saying that Kamar Rocker could be a number one overall pick, I think that is slowly starting to get to him. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with lighter. Um it it just has to do with the draft. Yeah,
0: I I think it's an interesting point. I mean, Vanderbilt has, you know, it's you're seeing the success of those two translate into success for the overall program, 29.5. Staying on the topic of Vanderbilt, O'Connor, big news from the athletic department. Vanderbilt will be making huge changes to not only baseball, but the entirety of Vanderbilt athletic buildings, departments, all this new stuff. So give me kind of, what are you hearing? What are they going to do? What is all the stuff they're going to kind of do to better their athletic facilities?
1: Well, here's the thing. March 28th, It was a Sunday. Mm. I was scrolling through Instagram and then Vanderbilt Athletics posted something, say, join us for a 10 a.m. press conference Monday, March 29th, big announcement about the future of Vanderbilt Athletics. Yep. That hypes everybody up. And then I immediately went to they're finally investing in athletics. Yep. And I'm going to try. I I hate bashing Vanderbilt because I love them to death, but athletics has been something that I don't think they've been 100% committed on.
0: No, no way. I, I don't think it's a secret either. I think you and I have both seen that over the years. Yeah,
1: But like you said, that is about to change Yeah, because the announcement that was, I watched the press conference. The announcement on March 29th is that Vanderbilt athletics is investing $300 million into a massive facility upgrade for all sports incredible that's incredible it's the the largest athletic investment in school history there you go and here's what's going to happen these 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 are this is what has been announced so far we are getting a football operations center that will house team offices locker room meeting rooms and a training room there you go yep we're expanding the mcgoogan center and we'll build a sports performance center we're going to build, you know, where the outdoor turf football field yep. is. Yep. Oh, yeah. That will be an indoor football practice facility. And then we're going to turf, uh, a, we're going to have an outdoor practice field. The one that we have now is grass. We're going to turf that. Yep. And then we're also getting a basketball operations center. Same thing's going to be put in there as football. And we're going to upgrade the fan experience at Vanderbilt Stadium. It's and huge. I'm, yeah. I know – I mean, that has been – and here's the thing. The um, Football Operations Center will be connected to Vanderbilt Stadium from what I've been hearing right now. When that happens, and we're also going to get premium seating in Vanderbilt Stadium. Yeah, I saw that too. This will be the first major Vanderbilt Stadium upgrade since 1981. Yeah, see, I was about to talk about that. Uh, You and I, you know, I've grown up in Nashville,
0: so I've been to Vanderbilt games here and there. I've gone to a lot of games. And what I've seen at every Vanderbilt home game I've been to is Vanderbilt fans are outnumbered at their home stadium by about five times the number of people. I mean, every game, it doesn't even feel like it's a home advantage for them, right? You have the other team flooding the stadium. Now, look what's happening. You and I have a long time about this. Clark Lee, they bring him in from Notre Dame. He comes in. He's trying to rejuvenate this fan base. He's trying to get them excited. He's doing a good job. And shortly after hiring him, they announce the brand new construction of all this new athletic facility stuff in a big football
1: stadium. Here's the thing a a facility upgrade was promised in Clark's League's contract. Yep. And Candace Lee, I've known Candace Lee for a very long time. She is the mm-hmm. Athletics Director at Vanderbilt. And our Chancellor, Daniel Deermeyer, they have both been here less than a year in their full-time permanent roles. Yep. And look at all they've done. It's incredible. It, it, it's,
0: it, it's hard because Vanderbilt has always wanted to be this academic institution, right? Which yeah. they're great at. They're a fantastic. They're a top 10 university in the entire country they're producing you know people who are making six digits after you know two years i mean it is a fantastic academic school producing scholars but they're still in the sec and people have called them to leave the sec because they aren't competing well blah 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 this is the first step and look we both know it's not going to be a quick fix it's not going to happen overnight it's going to take time but this is the first very promising step. You need this in order to keep up with the Floridas and the Georgias. And they're never going to have the five-star facilities like Florida and Georgia and Texas Stadium. They could in the future. They could. But it's unlikely that they'll get there in the near distant future. But that being said, this is huge for Vanderbilt. And this is going to put them where they need to be going forward recruiting. I promise yeah. you. Recruiting is going to go up because and of the facilities.
1: I'm, I'm going to make that point because we still – I have some news from men's and women's basketball, and I'm going to make that point in a little bit. Yeah. But, like, how am I going to say this? I have been a Vanderbilt fan now 19 years. Mm. And I've had friends countless times saying, why are you still a Vanderbilt fan? I have been loyal to this program and this school through everything, through James, through Bobby Johnson, Robbie Caldwell, James Franklin, Derek Mason, now Clark Lee. Yep. Of course, Coach Corbin's been here ever since I was born. Mm. There has been so – there's been way more downs than there have been ups. Yeah, agreed. I think that's starting to shift. I think we're going to have more ups than there are downs. Now, if, like you said, it's not going to be an overnight thing. But I think one of the major reasons why we have not won is because the mindset is around the athletes is we don't have anything that will get us excited that will make us want to win. Agreed. The, so fact that, the fact that Vanderbilt University is finally investing, this is something that Candace Lee's mind has been around ever since she took the full-time job. She wants to improve the student-athlete experience. This announcement is going to do just that. And she even said that a lot of fans have been saying, oh, yeah, we've been hearing facility upgrade plans for years. It's never happened. I'll believe it when I see it. Candace Lee said that they have enough money to do some things now, but because of scheduling with football about to start, baseball going on, they can't. Of course. She said as soon as football season is over, they will break ground on the basketball and football operations building and the renderings will be announced early to mid summer. Yep. So it's happening. It's finally happening. And it's it's crucial. Exactly exactly what you said. This will help with recruiting
0: 100%.
1: Well, because you and I both know as college students, look,
0: college kids like flashy things. They like new stuff. They like new stuff. And that's why Oregon, Alabama, Texas, that's why those schools succeed in recruiting because they have the new flashy things that college kids like. It's no secret. College kids want that kind of stuff. And if you don't have it, you can't recruit well. And Vanderbilt has been missing that. And so when I saw that you had reposted that on your social media about them getting these new facilities, my first thought went to, now you're going to be able to get some athletes in that you weren't able to get the past few years, right? You're going to start getting some big-time players who are you know, ESPN 300 guys Consistently coming to look at your program, and look, this is—I know that Vanderbilt, as of recently, the reputation has been great. It's in a great city. Nashville is a fantastic, thriving city. College kids love Nashville. The appeal is here, and now with this new upgrade, the sky's the limit. Seriously.
1: I think it was less than a week. Less than a week after we announced the stadium upgrade. Mm. Clark Lee landed a big time commit, an in-state, in-town commit. Yep, Langston Patterson. Yep, from CPA. From CPA committed to Vanderbilt. Yep, I'm pretty sure he picked us. I think he had Alabama somewhere in his. I top. think he did. He was he was a highly talented guy. Everybody, everybody like Clemson, Bama, Florida, Georgia. All these schools wanted him, and he's staying home. To play for Clark Lee and Vanderbilt and this stadium, this facility upgrade, I'm 100% sure had a big time role in his decision. 100%. I,
0: I think that's, again, you're going to start seeing a shit. I mean, it, it's not like Vanderbilt hasn't been able to get three and four star recruits, you know, the past few years they have, but it's going to become a more consistent factor. And again, this is, we're talking about football, but it's going to help with basketball and Vanderbilt basketball, uh, I've seen in the past, you know, 10 years, they've had some really good teams. Uh, they've had some really talented teams who have who have knocked off top five opponents. Again, you're going to start to be able to recruit again. So Vanderbilt Athletics is, I'm telling you, it's looking up. And <clears throat> with you being at Lipscomb, you're in the middle of it right now. You are seeing everything that is happening, and it's
1: fun to watch. And I'm so glad you mentioned uh, basketball because I had a note on that. Yep. News coming out of basketball too. And I'm going to start with recruit with recruiting first along the point of the stadium upgrade. Jerry Stackhouse. I think it was Tuesday, maybe Wednesday night. Landed two of the biggest recruits. Now I'm going to say Vanderbilt basketball history. Yep. We landed five-star center Lee Dort. And four-star guard Noah Shelby. It's incredible. It's incredible. And listen to this. I'm going to talk about Noah Shelby first because this did, and no, I'm going to talk about Lee Dort. He's 6'9, 240. He has one more year of high school ball left. And I was looking into him. They're saying he could be 7'2 by the time he gets Shh. to Vandy. He picked Vanderbilt over Arizona, Arizona State, Arkansas, Auburn. Baylor, Kansas, Texas, and Duke. It's it's insane. It, it, it's amazing. He's the number three recruit in the state of Texas and the number 18 recruit in the country. It's incredible. Then you look at Noah Shelby, yep, not yep. as tall, not as muscular, but, again, he's got another year of high school ball. That could change. 6'3", 175, same school. They're friends. They're same school. Uh, from there, I think it's Green Hill High School in uh suburb of Dallas, Texas. Yep, yeah, you got it right. Yep, offers from Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Georgetown, Kansas, Texas. Duke, it's that's what's so impressive, though, right? Is now you're
0: getting not just like talented in state players, you're getting talented out of state players, and this is what you're gonna talk about too. Vanderbilt has been able to, in the past, snag some really good in-state players, but it's about recruiting out-of-state. And Vanderbilt is – Texas is very much not Tennessee territory by any means, right? Texas is where, you know, the major blue-blood programs are getting their guys from. So you can sneak into their backyard and grab two players who, as you mentioned, a five- and four-star who are fantastic players. That's huge. And it speaks miles of what Stackhouse is doing, okay, they didn't have a great year this year, but
1: it was better than what it was the year before. Yeah, he's improving. Better. He's improving. And here, these two guys is our first major commits since 2017 when we got Semisoletshetu, and in town guy Darius Garland. Incredible. Look where those two guys are right now, yeah, Darius Garland. Garland. Darius Garland, like three days ago, dropped 37 points for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And semi solo Chateau. Last I checked, was with the I think it's the Chicago Bulls. Yep. Pro guys out of Vanderbilt recruited. I I think Chateau. I think they were both recruited by Bryce Drew. Yep. But then I think they played one year for Stackhouse. If I'm yep. if I'm not mistaken on that. But again, you look, and that's that's another thing. I've been very hesitant in like not 100% committed on the Jerry Stackhouse hire. Yep. And it's it's because it, I don't think he's that great of a recruiter, but recently I've started to know that when he came in here, he had Bryce Drew's kids. Yep, true that. He, he didn't have his own guys. He goes out and he gets the number 18 player in the country and a guy who's in the 24-7 sports top 150. Yep. With – powerhouse programs in their top five, yeah, and they come to Vanderbilt. Is I'm pretty sure it's because they want to play for a guy. I think Stackhouse was in, was in the NBA, like, what, 18 years, something like that? Yeah, yeah. And then facility upgrades, Nashville, SEC. With all of this that's going on with Vanderbilt right now, Vanderbilt's going to be very attractive.
0: It is, and, and you and I are going to always go to the point, too, of Even when you're coming to play here, right, there's always that element of when you get out of Vanderbilt, you're going to have a good education. That that is always going to be the argument, too, is if you take time and get your classes done and do what you need to do, you're going to have a fantastic degree from Vanderbilt that is going to get you farther in life than most other players will ever get. Because basketball only goes so far. It does. And So these guys who are getting Vanderbilt degrees – are set themselves apart. And so everything about Vanderbilt is in the right direction. I, I think we're seeing basketball, football, baseball, all that trend upwards.
1: But I got one more thing, and then yeah. all my notes for Vanderbilt. Actually, two more things. I'm going I'm to start with this uh, about Vanderbilt men's basketball. This news just dropped this morning. Star player Scottie Pippen Jr. has declared for the NBA draft. Yep, saw that one. But here's the thing. This will actually help Vanderbilt. He is not hiring an agent, which means he can if, come back. If he if he gets advice from somebody saying you're not going to go that high, he can come back. Yep. If he were to hire an agent, he would have to go and just stay there. Yep. If you hire an agent, yep. you cannot come back. Yep. So we'll see what Scottie Pippen does. And then another thing that I like about Candace Lee is that she is showing that she will not put up with losing. No. And That was proven this past football season when we fired Derek Mason after a embarrassing loss to Missouri, a yep. game that we should have won. Still not over that, but you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, you and I aren't aren't over the loss and loss any. So no, no, um, not at all. Believe me, I'm I'm not going to bring that up because we'll be we'll be raining <laughs> old, for old, hours. Old, old high school memories here. <laughs> but Tuesday afternoon. I was in class. I I was about to start class. I went to Twitter and saw news that I've been wanting for a very long time. Vanderbilt Athletics has fired women's basketball coach Stephanie White (laughs) after five years. There you go. She cannot recruit. She cannot win. Her her big law, her, I think her only big win was a road win against Tennessee. Well, that's the that good point
0: it. of, of, of not putting up with losing. I think that's, it, it's not translating just with the major sports like men's basketball and football. I mean, no offense to it, but that, that is like, that is the most money generated sports in collegiate sports right now. It is. Yeah. So she wants to run all over, which is huge. And Vanderbilt can, they can win, right? It, it's been proven. They can win consistently if you get the right person in there.
1: And it's, I'm, I'm reading into Stephanie White right now. Her overall record at Vanderbilt was 46 and 83. That's just
0: not good. Yeah, that's just, she was, you're not She weird. was
1: 13 and 54 in conference play. They opted out of the 2020 season after a four and four start, 0 and three in conference play because of injuries, players in the transfer portal, and COVID 19 um, concern. Oh my goodness. And the fire came after star players Coy Love, Chelsea Hall, Autumn newbie all announced their transfer and coy Love's going to Arizona. I think Chelsea Hall is going to uh, Louisville and Autumn Newby is going to LSU. She has not been, I think ever since she, she's been here five years. And I think ever yeah. since she's been here, 12 of her players have transferred. That's just, that's, in, that, that's indicative though of the codes. Like that's, That's her best record. Her best record at Vanderbilt was her first season. She went 14 and 16. Wow. That was her best record. Yeah, that's just time to pull the plug. You you would think she would know how to win because you know where we got her from. Where? The Indiana Fever. There you go. She was the head coach of a WNBA team. WNBA team, yeah. Who I think they ju- they had just won a WNBA championship and as she comes well, to Bandy, falls apart, melts.
0: And, and let me say too, before I move on, the NCAA. Let, let's talk about it real quick. Not talking about. I'm just gonna mention this. This year in the men's transfer portal, there are over 1,300 players sitting in the portal right now. There was 427 last year. It is over three times. The amount of players sitting in the transfer portal this year than there were last year. It's not just in men's basketball; it's women's too. But it's crazy the outflow of all these players.
1: That's the thing, Vanderbilt. This is a message to you: Get it going. I'm yeah. talking about men's basketball. We still have another year before yeah. Lee Dort and Noah Shelby get here. We have had three. We Scotty Pippen's declaring, and I think two or three players are transferring. Isaac McBride's transferring. We just got him from Kansas. He'd been here like half a season. And then I think it was Cleavon Brown's going somewhere. And we have another, another guy. I can't remember his name. Um, I think it's Brown. Yeah, no, I already said Cleavon. And anyway, there's 1,300 players in the transfer portal. There has to be yep. at least somebody that can that's an SEC caliber player who yep. can come into Vanderbilt. And you might have like two or three years of eligibility left. You dominate this year and you bring two of the biggest recruits in the country in next year. And I forgot to mention this when I was talking about Lee and Noah. Their commits makes Vanderbilt's 2022 recruiting class number one in the SEC. I saw that, yeah. And number three in the country. It's incredible. I mean,
0: they are building that reputation, and it's only going to get better with these new facilities being put in. Or, yep. I mean, listen, say it loud. Vanderbilt Athletics is getting better. It's an upward trend. And I think both you and I are excited to see kind of where the future of this goes.
1: Probably it's me cool. more than you. Yes, one hundred
0: percent. Connor Owens, our Vanderbilt expert. This guy knows everything about Vanderbilt athletics. It's incredible, really. I, I've never met someone who knows more about a singular athletic school than Connor does. So we're going to move on now. Great section there. Last thing before we wrap this up, and we intended this briefly a little bit. Uh, the Titans getting into now draft season, um, we actually have not been on so long that the Titans have had a huge signing in Bud Dupree, who we then I like to talk about. They signed Bud Dupree. They released a couple players who were, you know, a little bit questionable. John Smith, of course, gone. Adam Humphrey's gone. What What have you Malcolm liked? Butler. Malcolm Butler? Let's make this quick. What have you liked about the Titans in this free agency, and what have you not liked so far from them?
1: I like the Bud Dupree signing, um, and we haven't re-signed him yet, and I I don't think we're going to, but if we do, and if we get the health, healthy version of him, just picture this: these these two edge rushers for, for the Tennessee Titans, Bud Dupree and a healthy Jadavian Clowney. Yep, couldn't agree more. Dominant. I know. We need to get we need to get a strong defensive line. That's the thing. You yep. can't have good re, good pass rushers unless you have a good defensive line. Well, I that was our issue last we, year. Yeah, that that that's been an off and on struggle for the Titans is defensive yep. line. But another another something that I haven't liked is the amount of players that we cut. Hundred percent. All right. So we had Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson. Yep. For some reason, we cut Malcolm Butler before Adoree Jackson. Yeah. which if makes no anything. Sense. I thought Malcolm Butler would stay and Adoree be out the door. Agreed, uh, for good reason. For good reason. But not only, I was happy that we cut Adoree Jackson. Me too. Me too. But we cut him with Dennis Kelly. Yep. Yeah. The left tackle who filled been, in for Lawan. Yeah, he he was good. And then I think their way of trying to make it up for the fans is re-signing Ty Sambarilla,
0: Which was like, I, I don't
1: – yeah, I don't get it. I mean, the look, look is yeah. You look at where these players are going. Malcolm Baller, Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, they are going to absolutely I know. gone.
0: They're going to start getting good.
1: I know. They're bringing the pieces they need. Adoree Jackson, New York Jets. The New York Jets are starting to turn it around. Yes, they are. Adam Humphrey's going to your Washington football team. Oh, yeah. The Washington football team starting to turn it around. But the yep. one thing – I'm going to talk about the football team really quick. Yep. Why the heck would you cut Alex Smith? Yeah, that that is – look, Graham and I – so my brother Graham. Him and I are a big
0: football team fan. We, we, I've been a Washington fan my whole life, and I have, I've watched the struggle. I've grown up watching the joke of the quarterback carousel. And – what they're trying to argue is that they cut Alex Smith because he takes up a quarterback spot and he's not in physical shape to play. Which, okay, maybe he's not. Yeah, he wasn't. But, in,
1: he wasn't in physical shape last year. No, what he did. But why not
0: keep him this year, even if he's not going to play much, as a motivator, as a good team role model? Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Some people didn't like it. I like the Fitzpatrick signing. It makes sense. He's a step up from what. Smith was last year. Now, Heineke, there's a lot of news as to whether he's going to be the starter. He had a great performance against Tampa Bay. I don't think he is. I think Fitzpatrick takes the spot, but I like that Fitzpatrick signing, but the Alex Smith, I agree. That one didn't make sense to me, and I think it was a little unfair to him. Fighting his way back, he gave all of the organization, and then for them to just kind of say, you know, see you later, didn't make sense. They are a, I'm telling you, Connor, they are a quarterback away from being an elite team in the league. Their defense is fantastic. They signed Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, two great under-the-radar sightings. They're a quarterback away from being a very, very dominant football team.
1: With the team that they have right now, and as weak of a division as they're in, yep. there is yep. no excuse why you should not win your division. No, no way. No excuse at all. And that that's – what all I had to say on Washington, but I want to go around the NFL real quick. Yep. I mean... Okay,
0: okay, first of all, I want to talk about something. This is a very highly debated topic, and I'm going to give you a hot take real quick. Connor, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to touch an NFL football field again for his career. I think he's done. And I think, personally, this... A lot of this doesn't make sense. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I can't figure out what's going on with this situation and what is just flared out. I, I think something's gone wrong there. I think something's up. But he is not going to touch a football field again in his career. He is – it's it's done. He, he got, what, 30-something counts now of sexual harassment against him. He is in a hole that he is not going to be able to climb out of.
1: More allegations than touchdown passes last year. That seriously, is, seriously, it's crazy. Like,
0: and look, it's it look, 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 and I'm I'm gonna say this. He's a rival. He he has torched us as we've seen against the Titans. He has torched the Titans' defense.
1: Not as of late.
0: Not as of late. No, I agree. But I always liked Deshaun Watson coming out of college. He's a quiet, humble kid. He always was a fantastic player. I liked him. It, it, it's just been weird now to see. Kind of the shift, the downhill shift from being this college kid who won so many awards, being an outstanding, an outstanding citizen, an outstanding student, and now this—it it just is so crazy. And what do you think about this whole situation?
1: I think it's it's crazy. Like going into his career. I respected Deshaun Watson. Yep. Like, I mean, first couple of years, he, again, like you mentioned, he dominated us. So you got to respect it. Yep. But with this, my respect for him's gone, gone away. Gone. 100%. Gone. Like, agreed. I, I read because one of his accusers came out with uh, her side of the story. And I mean, good grit. Did, did you see it? Yeah, I,
0: I, I've been watching that story closely, and it's been – And with my you. thing my is, is gone. There's,
1: there's still five teams that want to trade for him. Yeah. Like, that That to me means that you want the player more than you want the person.
0: Which is which is sad, and and, and it's, again, like, that's the problem with the NFL, though, In this whole business argument is now teams are more worried about, like you said, they don't care about what's happening off field. They care more about getting a quarterback than they do about the safety of however many women it's affected. And I mean, look, it, it just like, I'm with you. My, my respect for him is gone. I mean, it's not like I love the guy anyway because he was a rival of ours and he just, you know, never rooted for him. But this is now like, this is big. And this is one of the biggest scandals the NFL has had to face in a long time. And I mean, the NFL okay what is going on with the nfl right deshaun watson's dealing with this what's the guy's name from florida state who plays for the giants that just was in that shooting uh i can't his name's leaving my mind but he was involved oh, the former
1: oh you, you know what i'm talking about himself?
0: no he no he he was uh he's involved in this shooting with um i forget what his name was he played at florida state there it is yes it's um Golly, I'm trying to pull up right now. Yes, it's Travis, Rudolph. Travis oh. Rudolph was the guy from Florida State, the New York Giants. He was arrested in a double shooting a couple of days ago in the NFL. Yes, the New York Giants player, and then of course, Philip Adams, the former NFL player, killed five people and killed himself. So, Wait, when did
1: that Kyle Rudolph thing happen?
0: Travis Rudolph happened just now. I mean, it happened, Travis like, Rudolph happened uh, April seventh, so two days ago. I know. So wow. the NFL, like development-wise, with all these issues, these off-field issues, it's taking a toll. And I mean, it's you, you talk about free agency has been pushed to the back burner. Like these stories coming up, Deshaun Watson has been the biggest story in the in the NFL. It's not even close. Yeah. That has been the NFL's prime story because he has been one of the best young quarterbacks in the entire league. He's been dominant. He's been a very as of recently not so much. But Grant, his team has been awful.
1: But this as is of imminent. now. As of now, twenty-two accusations against Deshaun Watson.
0: That's the problem. How do you dig yourself out of a hole with twenty-two
1: accusations? You don't. You can't. And and my thing is, during all of this, the only question the Texans have been giving our have been getting is, are you going to release Deshaun Watson or are you going to trade Deshaun Watson? Yeah, and the moves that they have made makes me believe that they are about ready to make a move. Yeah. This organization,
0: Conor, this or, this Houston Texans organization this past year has quite frankly been the most pathetic organization I've seen in major sports this past year. Okay. First of all, Bill O'Brien is not a good head coach. They fired him. That was a pretty good move. Right. But the roster has been a disaster. The Deshaun Watson thing has been a joke. Uh, Their handling of him has been a joke. Uh, I think the way, you know, listen, whether you like the guy or not, if a guy requests a trade and you hold him against his will, when he's saying he's not going to play for you and just consistently, yeah, no, we're not getting rid of him. He's going to stay with us whether he likes it or not. Then they go out and hire David Coley, who is one of the will go down as one of the worst head coaching hires ever in the league. This guy was the Chiefs wide receiver coach in 2014. That same year, not one Chiefs wide receiver caught a touchdown pass. He was coaching them. He's been the Ravens passing game coordinator. They were bottom 3 each year he was coaching as the passing game coordinator and passing
1: game.
0: I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what has like they're an all-time low. They are. And then they
1: low. then they go out and then they sign Tyrod Taylor. It just none of it makes sense. Taylor is a starting quarterback. And you have Ryan Finley as his backup. There's your starter and backup. They're going to make a move with Deshaun Watson. Like, why to. would you Why would you have two starters and one of them be your backup? That's my point. It doesn't make
0: sense to sign him if you're going to keep Deshaun Watson. It doesn't make sense. You have to think they're going to get rid of him. I, I don't – it's a mess. That situation's a mess.
1: But here, here's the thing. I wanted to go around the NFL really quick. Um, yep. You – this trade happened a couple of days ago. Yep. Sam Darnold is now a Carolina Panther. Yep. The and then all that the uh, Jets got in exchange, which don't get me wrong, they got they got loaded with draft picks. They yep. got they traded Sam Darnold for a 2021 sixth, a second and fourth round pick in twenty twenty two.
0: See. I'm going to be honest, man. The Panthers won that trade. Uh, Darnold has a lot of good upside. I I think Gase was a big part of his failure in New York. And I'm going to be honest, man. If I'm trading Sam Darnold from the Jets, I'm not taking anything less than a first round pick. This is a guy who we have not seen his full potential. It's like Ellie Tolbert for the Predators. His ceiling is so high, in my opinion, and so they get a second a fourth and a sixth round pick, which is great. It's three picks for one player. I, I, I get it. But if I'm the Jets, I'm going hard for a first round. I want a first round, a second round, and like a fifth round. That's what I want. I, I don't want a second, a fourth, and a sixth. I want an early first-round
1: pick. Would you take an early first-round pick when you already have a top-five pick?
0: I would. I would. I, I, I would still take one.
1: I mean, I, I feel like you
0: can't. Have too many. I mean, I, I think now it's – I mean, you and I both know with the whole Sam Darnold situation now, Zach Wilson is a lock to New York. I, I've heard Adam Schefter talk. Schefter says he's heard from multiple sources inside the organization. Zach Wilson is their guy. He's going to become a New York Jet. And just like talking about how signing Tyrod Taylor, did not make sense to keep Sean Watson, the Jets do not trade Sam Darnold if they don't know who they want with that second overall pick. They don't do it. They're not getting rid of Sam Darnold if they are not absolutely sure that Zach Wilson is their guy. It it just makes sense right now. And I I feel bad for Zach Wilson, if I'm being completely honest. I, I think Robert Sala is a great coach. I think he is actually, I would say he's in a better situation now, but that roster is lacking
1: big time still. I told you before we started that I had a hot take about the NFL draft. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. I do not think Trevor Lawrence goes number one overall. Really? I do not think. And Honor, it's, probably, that it's, it's probably going to be a stupid reason, but here it is. You can make yep. fun of me all you want. It's just my yep. opinion. Yep. I don't think – do I think he's good enough to be the first-round pick or first number one overall pick? No, but it, it just makes sense in my opinion. Justin Fields, yep. number one overall. I think the AFC South would do him some good. There's some competition. He still has some room to grow. And I think he can if the only way you can grow is if you go into a situation where you need to win. Yep. That's a perfect situation. Jacksonville is the perfect spot. And another reason: who is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, Urban Meyer,
0: Ohio State Connection. There it is. Yep. I, you know, I I was back in Missouri. I did a, I did a radio show with a friend of mine, and we were talking about the quarterbacks. My ranking was interesting. I I got a little bit of heat for my quarterback rankings. I had it was Lawrence one, Wilson two. I think I had Trey Lance at three, Fields at four, Trask at five, Jones at six. I know, I know. But wait, hold hold up, Trey Lance at three? Yep, I had Trey Lance at three. I had him above Justin Fields. I did. I know. I I had I had Justin Fields sitting behind Trey Lance solely for the reason that and listen nothing against him. And this may be a little bit of me bias. I see a lot, not all. I see a lot of Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields. I see a lot of similarities, not all, but a lot. And I think my argument Justin fields was the two times and Grant, you said a great point. He's going to grow, right? He's going to grow and get better for me. My only point was, and I think, honestly, if I'm being honest with you, Trey Lance or some fields for me, they're a coin flip. I, I could have one at three, one at four, the other at four, the other at three. I, I think they are, in my opinion, interchangeable. What I didn't like about fields was the performances against Wisconsin and Northwestern, the two most pro-style defenses he faced that year and granted a great performance against Clemson. Didn't love the way he played against two physical defenses in Wisconsin with Northwestern, but that being said – I like your point because I've said this all along, Urban Meyer with the Ohio State guy in fields makes sense. What happened, I don't know. But despite me having fields lower, I get it. I get your point, and I understand where
1: that connection could come in. But, again, I think Justin Fields to me is a little shaky because – like I said, I think the AFC is a good is a good division, is a good conference for him to grow. But do you think the pressure of him potentially going number one overall would get to him?
0: I do. I think Justin Fields is not a great guy overall under pressure. I think we've seen that in games too. His decision making when he in the big moment gets to him. Um and look, this is not I wouldn't say it's, you know, honestly, it's one of the, the AFC South is one of the better divisions to come into if you're a rookie quarterback because uh, Titans, as good as they are on offense, their defense is eh, they're getting better. Uh, Colts, good defense, but the, you know, of course, Jaguars have play with Jaguars, and the Texans are a mess. So I-, I think there is that sense of pressure for him. I think it's a decent conference to come into, but that's a, that's a big responsibility for a guy who – is not projected by anybody to go number one overall. So if he did go over number one overall, how does that affect him? And I want to ask you another question. We're talking about quarterbacks who goes number one. In your opinion, not quarterbacks, any position, who is the safest pick in the first round? Anybody could take. Who is the least bust worthy guy you could pick? I have mine. I've had mine forever. Who's
1: yours? I. Honestly, have no idea because it can it keeps changing. Like you never know. But the one thing that has been pretty consistent over the past couple weeks is I think Mac Jones goes number three to San Francisco. Which oh man, I
0: I I get it, and I've seen it on mock drafts. I don't like it though. I I do not like Mac Jones. I am but not high on. Here's him, but here's
1: can- the thing with that. Yep. If they were to go. Mac Jones number three, yep. Jimmy G is out the door. Agreed. And here's why. Agreed. Who they just signed? What's his name? Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, which was a I, I don't I don't get that, but whatever. So why again? That's another thing. Why would you have three quarterbacks? Yep, Two have starting potential and one backup. Yep. Doesn't make sense and- unless you know you're gonna make a move. But if it's not Mac Jones, honestly, I don't think there's anything else but Mac Jones because I'm looking at a mock draft right now hmm. that came out five hours ago. And the last mock draft I saw had Penace was it Sewell? yeah Panay Sewell yeah going four to the Falcons. this one has them dropping to number 13. Interesting. Uh,
0: I've seen his draft his draft stock drop a little bit as of recently, which is interesting.
1: Here's the thing: mm-hmm. I'm looking at this mock draft; it has him going to the Chargers, thirteenth overall. Would be
0: fantastic with Herbert.
1: Herbert, they were yeah. college
0: teammates. Yeah, I know. Which would be a home. He, he run has said hitter.
1: countless times he wants to go to the Chargers. Yep, yeah. and I, I I could see Panay Sewell being kind of like what I
0: said. Uh, you know, one of those non-bust kind of guys. Let me give you mine. It's a guy who I have been so high on since the college season. It's a guy I've watched. It's a guy I've watched film on. It's Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be, I don't think he can be a bust. Now, I could be totally off. I think Kyle Pitts is a top three player in this entire draft. He's a six foot six tight end, he's 245 pounds. He has the longest wingspan of any NFL player, receiver, and tight end in the league at 84 inches right now. He had a, four, he had a 4.44 40-yard dash, 33.5 vertical, a 129-inch broad. He is fantastic. This season, he didn't even, again, he was out for three games with an injury. He has 770 yards, 12 touchdowns on 43 receptions. Not to mention, around him, Trayvon Grimes, Jacob Copeland, Kadarius Toney talented receivers at Florida, this guy still popped up the screen. Look, Kyle Pitts is, I'm telling you, we have not seen a tight end like this ever. You can line him up on the outside as a blocking tight end, as a slot. You can put him anywhere on the field, and he's going to be dominant. I think he might go fifth to the Falcons. I'm hearing they're going to keep Matt Ryan and maybe get an asset like him to work with, but – Man, I think Pitts is a
1: fantastic player. I think f- if he goes four, five, or six, the teams he goes to would change drastically. You look—you just said right right now. The Falcons have the fourth overall pick. That's right, so It's fourth I about. Mean, yeah. If he goes to the Falcons, they would have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts. Can you imagine if he goes five overall to the Bengals? They would have Joe Burrow, Kyle Pitts, and um, it's not AJ Green anymore. It's no, um, we're forgetting. John Ross is gone too. Who there who's their running back? Well, Joe Mixon. Joe, Mixon's Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Yeah, and then if he goes six to Miami, Tua, Kyle Pitts. Yep, yeah. I, I know.
0: Absolutely. It's anywhere he goes. I'm telling you. He's a special player. He he makes catches in traffic that no one should make. Um, he's great in the open field. That 4.44 that 4. 40-yard 40 dash is more unbelievable than people even realize. Like, for a tight end of his size to move at that level is ridiculous. And I think that right there, that was the first thing they had at the pro day. That was the first event was a 40-yard dash at the pro day. And everybody all of a sudden was like, this guy, that's all we need to see. Like. That is the one that we need to see to show he is that good. He had 22 reps on bench press, which is amazing. Again, he's a small, you know, he's a skinnier guy, but still stocky. I love copeds. I think this guy's going to be a fantastic player, and it's just it's going to be fun to watch him.
1: I want to go back to the Tennessee Titans, and yep. then I have one more point about Trevor Lawrence, and then we can do uh, whatever you need to do. Yep. This mock draft, now I want to get your opinion on this. Yep. It's a New York Post. Now, I don't know how trustworthy the New York Post is with their mock draft. Hmm. 22 overall has the Titans getting Greg Newsom out of Northwestern corner. Interesting. I mean, I guess
0: you're looking at it from the perspective of getting rid of Malcolm Butler and, you know, Adoree Jackson, you may be bringing a cornerback. Look, I, I have to say, though, I have noticed since Bud Dupree being brought in, Mock drafts have gone away from the Titans getting an edge rusher in the first round. I I have noticed that. They have gone away from us taking an
1: edge rusher since the bringing about of Bud Dupree. Um, Two days ago, NFL.com, mock draft, 22 overall. Titans getting Jalen Phillips, edge rusher from Miami. So here's my
0: opinion, Connor, on this situation. I I think this year's cornerback and safety class is – Particularly weak. Um, I, I I guess if you're gonna get one, get one early um, because there's not. I, I mean, the past few. Years, I, I think Patrick Sertain is one of the best this year. I mean, I think he is. I think he is kind of the guy um, that people are looking at as kind of a first round talent. But I mean, I'm going to CBS Sports now looking at theirs. Yep. At 22 right now, it's got us taking Kadarius Tony receiver.
1: Would not be I would not be upset with that.
0: I would not either. Kadarius Tony, another very agile player, but it it really is just like you gotta pick into John Robinson's brain, and it's like you just acquired look, Bud Dupree is fantastic. That was a home run hit for us. Bud Dupree is an awesome edge rusher, so you have at least one piece figured out. Now you got a cornerback to maybe figure out because with with Butler and a Dory Jackson. I didn't love Dory Jackson, I thought he was taking up space and he wasn't that good anyway, but Still, I think you look for a cornerback or you go the receiver route because let's be honest too, Connor. We cut every living receiver that was on our roster that touched the field. Now, it, it, it's AJ Brown and everybody else. We brought in Josh Reynolds from the Rams, which was a, a decent pickup, but I think it was bad. I think it was great. Um, and besides that, it's uh, Kevin Batson Cameron Batson. Um, but I, I think the Tony pick would be good, too. So it's really just right now, just where does Robinson want to build the most?
1: Here's the thing with this. You're talking about um, the edge rusher uh, situation. I think we go edge rusher if we don't re-sign Clowney. I agree. I agree. If we, if we don't re-sign Clowney, in my opinion, the best edge rusher we could get It's Aziz Ojolari. Thank you. I'm so glad. Everybody
0: talks about Gregory Russo from Miami. No. No. Aziz Ojolari is undoubtedly the best. I agree. I agree with you. I mean,
1: you look – I've been looking at his highlights lately. That dude is a tank. He's actually a lot like Bud Dupree
0: in the sense that he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's so quick off the ball. That'd be perfect. handwork – exactly. His handwork – on, on on the outside tackles is fantastic. It is. like I is. That'd be a home run hit, too, is getting him.
1: Seriously. If there was one person that we could draft in the first round that would be the next Isaiah Wilson, who would it be? You're talking about I'm, not, I'm not talking about the off-the-field issues. I'm talking about the cannot-produce Cannot stay on his feet. He gets knocked on his butt when you just touch him. Like, You talk about offensive, offense,
0: offensive line or just overall? Overall. Uh, man, I, I think there's a lot of – that's a tough one. I'm going to look at the mock draft. There's a lot of guys – I think this year, you know, I, me, I mentioned early on, this is a pretty safe class. I think there's a lot of good people in this first round that, you know uh, – okay, I'd say – so you said not off of – I'm going to give you an off-field one. Off-field – Michael Parsons. Uh, Michael Parsons has all the intangibles to be – Penn State, an, right? An, yes, an NFL oh, cooker, great no. linebacker. I know. He has all the intangibles to be a fantastic uh, best linebacker in the league in the coming 10 years. He he is physical. He's fast. He moves well laterally. He's a ball hawk. He is the guy that could be great on the field, off of issues. And I, I would say – I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm looking now, and it's like – I would say for all – okay, you know what? I would say for all positions, a guy you don't – I'm not saying Titans would pick this, but I'm going to go uh, Travis Etienne. Uh, I think Etienne is a – I know you give me that look right now. I, I was I, just
1: about to ask you, would you get Travis Etienne?
0: I don't love running backs in the first round unless it's a one-time generational talent like Derrick Henry or I think even Najee Harris is a good late-round first-round back. Uh, Travis Etienne is, and I have a good friend of mine who you don't know. His name is Harrison Bapnick. Him and I do a radio show together. Harrison has his point every week about how Travis Etienne, he believes, is washed up and has taken too many carries and has just gotten beat up at Clemson. That's why his senior season was not all they thought. And I agree with him. I, I think that is a guy who, if you pick him in the first round, I. I, I I think it's a bust. I, I think you got to go a different direction. I think he is a guy who is going to get hurt in the league. He's taking too many carries. I think Najee Harris is a way safer bet. So I'd go Travis
1: Etienne. One more question, and then I'll yep. be good. Yep. You're good. Again, general manager hat's going on you. Yep. If you had the twenty number 22 overall pick, and these four players were still on the board, okay. who are you taking? Okay. Edge rusher Pay. Okay. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Okay. Wide receiver or running back Najee Harris. Okay. Or Aziz Ojolari?
0: I'd I have to go Ojolari. I, I don't think yeah. – I think, I think Najee Harris is going to fall late first round, early second round. I, I think he is uh, – look, I, mean, I think we've got – you know, with Henry and now some get you know some flex backs sitting behind him who are you know good players. I think you don't need to fill that void anymore. I think that's, I think Nigel Harris is a guy that would be drafted and would just sit behind Henry and kind of rot. Uh, I don't think you need that. I think Quiddie Pay is a great defensive lineman, um, but we said it o- a- Aziz Ojolari. I watched him firsthand tear my Missouri Tigers up. I mean, just physically.
1: Well, it's Missouri. Everybody, everybody tears you up.
0: Okay, here we go taking shots, huh? <laughs> But he hey, I shouldn't is, be
1: talking, y'all beat us. No, no hey, it's be. okay,
0: it happens. But that's a guy who can take a beating every play and just keep going, right? Someplace he's gonna get stumped, he comes back, boom, 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 boom. So I think Aziz Ojalari is a very safe pick for the Titans. Um, again, I think Gregory Russo is a guy who everybody loves out of Miami, I don't think he's as good. So I think Ojalari is the obvious pick if that's if he's still there when time comes.
1: I hate doing this to you, but one more thing. Go for it. it. No, nothing, go for it. it. It has nothing to do with the NFL and it has nothing to do with Nashville sports. I just got go this for notification. I'm former this New answer. York Yankee, former New York Yankee Alex Rodriguez and billionaire Mark Lore are finalizing a deal to purchase the Minnesota Timberwolves and will take full control in 2023.
0: I literally am just seeing that pop on my phone too. I Lordy. Alex Rodriguez is loaded. Now the T-Wolves. Talk that about teams. Is. Hey, hey, talk about teams that need to be rebuilt. The T Wolves, Minnesota. Oof, good lordy, they're uh, they're lacking in sports right now. Freaking Captain Kirk over there at the Vikings is struggling, and you know, the T Wolves, it's crazy, that's a crazy town right now.
1: I mean, good grief,
0: but I, I think the NFL going back to the NFL point, the NFL is it's gonna be an interesting upcoming season, of course. You know, when you and I were not on the show, we were had about a month break. Uh, they signed the CBA deal, which puts into effect 17 games now and three preseason games. So an and we, ad, we're, we added the Saints. So We did. A good he, non-conference. That, that's bonus. the thing.
1: I was yeah, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Drew Brees retired about a month yeah. and a half ago. If he played this season, we had to play him. I would be scared. Agreed. But Agreed. Jameis Winston is their quarterback. And – Going back to the draft, the Saints, that's a team that I would not be surprised to see them go quarterback. No, I 100% agree. And then Jameis Winston's 100% going to be their starter. Yep. But, I mean, good grief. For a guy who can't even – I don't think Jameis Winston's that good. I don't think he is too.
0: And and you mentioned the quarterback thing, you know, the Saints going quarterback. Two guys who I think are going to go late in the draft, who are going to be steals. I think Kyle Trask is one. I think Kellen Mond's the other. I think those two guys are – the reason I say that, Kyle Trask, if you pick him for first, second round, maybe even third, I think it's too high. I think first, second round, easily are too high for him. I think he's a great quarterback, but I think it's too high. I think if you snag one of those guys, third, fourth round, my goodness, home run, home run. They have the potential to be first and second round picks, but I think it's – you know. The Saints, going, the Saints apparently love Kyle Trask. I, I am hearing a lot of buzz that they absolutely love Kyle Trask. They might go for him in the second, third round. We'll see. That could be an option for that void, though.
1: But yeah, um, I don't know. And I'm going to be biased really quick. Um, I don't think this guy is going to be an early round pick, <clears throat> but he is a guy that I would love to see the Titans get. Um, he is absolutely dominated at Vanderbilt. That's Dio O'Dangbo. Yep, 100%. Defensive tackle, like, he is a sack machine. I mean, yep. I know he was in a system that wasn't really that strong with the def- on the defensive side, but he yep. made our defense look respectable. Yep. 100%. And um, I'm pretty sure he could have come back could have came back for a uh, COVID year, but yeah. uh, from what I'm looking at now, um, he is going to stay in the NFL draft, and Good. he is a projected fourth, maybe fifth-round pick. So I think gotcha. that would be perfect for the Titans. I agree, kind of a late-round snag. I think, as you know,
0: this time it's closer, you sort of figure out these mock drafts more and more with the draft. Now, under just under three weeks away, uh, I'm sure you and I will get on here at some point, record an episode, and break down – all of the mock drafts, figure out who the Titans are going to pick, maybe even go on draft night film show and kind of see the first round picks of everybody. So that's the NFL. We're going to wrap this up. We've been here for about an hour and a half now, Connor and I, you know, we could talk sports forever and it's been a lot to talk about since we've been gone. Of course, March madness, the president hot Vanderbilt baseball and athletics overall, the Titans coming up. There's a lot to talk about in the city of Nashville for sports wise. So thank you all for joining us. Connor, thanks for being on again, man. Him and I will be on here again soon. We'll film another episode. To our audience, thank you. We'll be coming to you guys in about a week again, getting you all the latest news, all things Nashville and non nashville Connor, to give you a little bit of extra good stuff. So for us, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. This is High Notes Nashville Sports. You guys take care.